live from wherever you happen to be, it's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. And now, here's your host, curator of the hall, Jamie Dew. Could be it could be in a Spielberg movie for heaven's sake. That last ten seconds, it's like a the aliens are landing and we've finally you know communicated with them and uh, achieved first contact and everything is going well. But then something goes amiss. I don't know. That's just me riffing on those goddamn bells. I love them. I love them. Thanks, Casey Lyons and Doug Donatz. Uh, your work is very much appreciated, and it goes uh, a long way in keeping the hall sounding and looking as professional as it does. My name is Jamie Dew, and I want to welcome you here uh, where we once a week get together with uh, an SNL superfan, journalist, uh, podcaster, you know, someone of that ilk someone who wants to talk about Saturday Night Live and uh, can do so at length on a number of different topics, ranging from guest host to musical guest to writer and cast member. At that point, they are interviewed by me and their person that they have brought to the table is added to the ballot. And then in just a couple short weeks, we will lift the veil the ballot will be completely revealed, and you will be eligible to vote. You'll finally be eligible to vote, and we will elect our first Hall of Fame. Now, before we do anything, I need to remind you to please wipe your feet before you enter the hallowed hall. Uh, you you just don't know what kind of, you know, uh, it's, it's spring. The ground is a little muddy. You just don't know what you could be tracking in here. So we don't want any of that. Uh, today we are, you know, getting ready to wind things down, quite frankly, and uh, we are meeting with our friend Justin Renwick yet again, and he is going to take us through a, a great uh, episode with Dan Aykroyd. And uh, Dan Aykroyd is, uh, of course, you know, one of the original cast members, a superstar. Uh, I mean. He's got a position named after him. He's, you know, the ultimate utility man, right? Until, you know, Phil Hartman came along and you could argue that uh, Bill Hader, you know, was in, in that same you know, vein. So, um, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, Ackroyd is interesting. As a kid, was never really a fan. Just didn't understand the manic ratatatness of it all. But uh, I get it now. I get it. And uh, he's bonafide uh, superstar. And, you know... You, you can see him in the back of any scene just enveloping himself in whatever character he happens to be doing. And uh, that goes a long way to me. So, uh, you know, I really do appreciate that. That's what I've got for you. And uh, we should just get on with the show. What do you say? Uh, Justin Renwick, Dan Aykroyd, the Saturday Night Live Hall of Fame. What do you say we get to it? All right. Talk to you on the other side.
get into the thick of things here. Who are you bringing to the table today? For performer, uh, I would like to nominate. If that, is that is that the word yeah, we're going to use? So. I would like to nominate Dan Aykroyd, who, you know, it's funny you don't appreciate some people at the time. Like I, you know, I knew he was funny, but you don't realize that you're seeing this incredibly high bar. And then when you see other people that call themselves like sketch comedians or whatever, and they're they're just not at that level, you sort of realize the difference between somebody like Dan Aykroyd versus you know anyone else. I'm not, I know I'm not making a lot of sense right now, but no, you you are okay. Uh, it's just. The guy with is just oozes talent. Like he's a really good writer. He's a great performer. He's a really good actor, and just like a hundred percent commits to things. Like he's one of those guys. Kate McKinnon sort of has the same thing. If we're going to talk about somebody More now to compare to compare to, she's someone that disappears into her characters. Her face is a little more recognizable, though. I don't know. You, you may have read this story. Like it, back in the heyday of Saturday Night Live, the only Dan was the only guy that could still ride the subway and not get recognized. Really? Yeah. No, I haven't read yeah. that. Whereas Chevy, there's the other famous story. It was like maybe a month after they'd been on the air. He was taking the bus to NBC, and he looked up at one point, and everybody on the bus was looking at him. Oh my god! Yeah, and it really freaked him out. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Did you imagine? That would be, no. <laughs> Toiling away in obscurity for all those years and all <laughs> everyone on the bus knows who you are. Well, the show was just so monstrous out of the out of the shoot, mm-hmm. right? Just like a, a juggernaut. Like yeah. when you read like the ratings and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was uh, I, I wish 70s, I had been a yeah. part of I wish I had been a part of it, you know? Oh, tell me about it. Yep. Or even just to be a fly on the wall in a, a writer's room. Oh god, yeah. Just to hear the bits and premises being thrown back and forth a really high fly on the wall <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah you'd have to be <laughs> a fly with all the access in the world all right so let's talk about dan Aykroyd. you you mentioned that you know this is somebody who disappears into characters mm-hmm. and uh i mean we've all seen it when he's an extra in a sketch he even he adopts a persona he's yep. not just dan Aykroyd sitting at a table mm-hmm. stage left you know yep. you know uh, upstage like he is he is doing something mm-hmm. different than you see other people do. Yeah. I don't quite know how to put it, whether he's got a pair of sunglasses on or yeah. uh, a fake mustache or whatever, like he's doing something. Yeah. He just hundred percent commits to things. And he, uh, do we want to go into his background at all? Sure. Absolutely. To? So, yeah, I've always found this very entertaining that he was actually born on Canada day. Oh, I didn't on, know that. Yeah. July 1st. 1952 from Ottawa, the son of a, I believe a diplomat. I'd have to double check that, but I think his father was high up in the Canadian government, but I could be wrong and listeners feel free to chime in. Uh, also suffers from Tourette's and Asperger's. Did not know that. Yep. And well, I wouldn't say, I shouldn't say suffer. I don't, he doesn't look like he's suffering. No, I, absolutely. <laughs> at all. But uh, he also was gifted with a photographic memory. So if you watch some of the old shows, you'll see he's one of the few people that never really has to look at the cue cards. He could, he could look at a page. And as you know, the show is constantly being rewritten, sometimes on air. He's a guy who could look at a page and memorize it and just know, know what had changed in it and things like that. I cannot relate to that at all. No, me neither. Now, I have a photogenic memory, but I mean. No, he's, I believe it's called eidetic memory. Wow. I think Sheldon on uh, the Big Bang Theory claims to have that as well. The, 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 the not, act, not the actor, character. not okay. the character, yeah. Okay, gotcha. And yeah, he studied criminology and sociology at Carleton University. He dropped out. I'm not sure. The timeline's a little funny 
because he was born in 52, so I'm assuming he must have skipped a grade somewhere, which I could see. And because it looks like he moved to Toronto in 1969, so that would put him at 17 years old. Right. Um, anyway, uh, without getting too far in, well, we'll touch on it a little bit. Uh, Rosie Schuster, who was Lauren Michaels' ex-wife, Frank Schuster's daughter of Wayne and Schuster. Yeah. They were neighbors in um, Forest Hill here, oh. in, here in Toronto growing okay. up. That's how they. That's how Lauren uh, kind of got his start in the business. I think he got a lot of advice from Frank Schuster. But anyway, um, Danny and uh, and Rosie had a, an affair for a while after Lauren and and her had split up. Right. And uh, actually, I think it was one of the other women writers, Ann Beats, said that uh, Danny's dream would be to commit a crime and then arrest himself, and that he studied criminology and sociology at Carleton, and also wanted to be a, a thought about being a Mountie for a while as well. Wow. <laughs> so that, very... was, that was her line about him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. He moved to Toronto 69. I know that he started improvising with Valerie Bromfield, who was on the very first episode of Saturday night live. She just did like a little two minute bit right. that had been cut down from six minutes. Cause they overbooked the first show. Yeah. Big time. Cause they didn't, you know, they didn't know if it was going to be a disaster or not at a theater. Uh, I think it's at well church in Wellesley called the global village. Again, still uh, there. I don't, I think there's something there. Um, again, listeners, if you want to chime in, uh, and Andrew Alexander ran that theater who later started the second city in Toronto. So that's, that's where Danny forged that relationship. And yeah, apparently I just learned this and this was on Wikipedia. So who knows, but apparently he, uh, Danny was on Lauren Michaels show that was on CBC in the late sixties, the Hart and Lauren terrific hour Hart was Hart Pomerantz who was, uh, co-collaborator with with lauren they both wrote on laughing right uh, before that and then wound up coming back to toronto and doing the show so apparently danny appeared on that show and he would have only been 17 then which is crazy i can't imagine performing comedy on tv at 17 no i was so awkward and ugh. and yeah he was with the second city the initial cast of the second city in toronto and there was a lot of cross not pollination but there was a lot of like trading in those days so he did stuff in chicago as well and i don't know that he ever performed in pasadena but i know they were they opened a, a pasadena branch in the mid 70s and danny and john were driving out there when apparently when danny got the call to come to saturday night live so i don't know if he ever made it there and he won an emmy in uh 1977 for writing along with all the other writers on saturday night Live. oh wow okay yeah i didn't yeah that i wasn't aware of yeah, and I'm and I'm nominating him not just for all that, but just for setting the bar. He had his share of um, definitely iconic characters. Irwin Mainway, who was the horrible sleazy uh, Johnny Bag of Glass because Super Seventy Six is the tool any of his crazy pitchmen, the guy that did the without scaling, cutting, or gutting. Here's how it works: catch a bass, remove the hook, and drop the bass. That's the whole bass into the Super Bassomatic Seventy Six. Now adjust the control dial so that that bass is blended just the way you like it. Here and oh shit. Um... You oh. stun it, you kill it, you cook it. That's right. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, Elwood Blues, of course, which yeah. started back in Second City when he met um, John Belushi. used to come up to Toronto a lot, and they would hang out and go to Grossman's Tavern on Spadina and see uh, uh, Downchild Blues Band, I think, and some of the other that would be Toronto Blues Bands. would be for sure. Yeah, and that's 
That's what they base that on. Beldar Conehead, which is the craziest story. Do you know how he came up with the Coneheads? Well, I read uh, Tom Davis's book. Yeah. And it's, it's like a drug-addled like crazathon and he talked <laughs> he talks in that book about how he and Aykroyd went away one summer to Easter Island. Yep. So this is the story then? That's or, that's, or that's only part that's of it? only part of the okay, story. Okay, so then you you tell the story. Yeah, it was yeah. it was after the first season. Yeah, they went to Easter Islands and apparently Danny would just sit there afterwards going the heads the heads cuz for those that don't know there's these giant head sculptures on Easter Island that bear a bit of a resemblance to the cone heads i'd say because they're sort of you know they go on a downward trajectory i guess i'm uh <laughs> i'm miming a downward trajectory but you, you can't see that out there unless you uh, pay the bonus fee <laughs> you're watching the, or, live right now or unless the lsd is really good uh the other two influences were french pinhead lawyers was something he had come up with god knows why uh, they, uh, the show, whoever at the show said that wasn't a good idea because you're going to insult people who were, uh, I forget the term, en encephalax. I don't think I'm saying it right, but basically whatever gives you quote unquote pinhead. <laughs> I feel like I'm triggering so many people right now. <laughs> anyway, there was that. And I think it also started, there was a, he was watching TV and he was, he'd uh, smoked a joint and was a little high. And the aspect ratio was off, so everybody was kind of stretched oh, that's and sort of, yeah, looked like the Coneheads. So he put those three things together and came up with the Coneheads. And yeah, like we come, that's why they came from France, because they were French pinhead lawyers at one point. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's great. Yeah, and it was just, it was funny because he, you know, they observed American society as an alien would. And, you know, pointed at like mass consumption. Let's consume mass quantities, you know, open six beers at once and eat an entire bag of chips. And it was a pretty good satire on North American life as well. Not to give it too much credit, uh, but no, I, I just, those levels, yeah. right? Those levels to comedy. Uh, Fred Garvin, male prostitute. They only did the one sketch, but you really didn't need another one. That one was perfect. You remember that? I, I just remember the catchphrase. Yeah. Margot Kidder. Hello? Mrs. Potter? Yes, that's me. The same Mrs. Potter who's vice president in charge of loans for the Franklin National Bank of Chicago? Yeah, that's me. Hey, this is for you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, may I come in? What for? Uh, well, you see, ma'am, when a VIP like yourself uh -huh. comes to Moline to do business, it's customary for the company to send a gal up to the room. Compliments of Great Lakes feed and grain. <laughs> and, well, since you're a gal, the company sent me, Fred Garvin, male prostitute. Uh, I, don't, I don't think you understand, Fred. I'm not uh, that kind of girl. Let me reassure you, ma'am. I can assure you yeah. professional hygiene Discretion and animal gratification. I have never had to pay for that in my whole life. Well, don't worry about it. Great Lakes Feed and Grain is picking up the tab. You've got me for the whole night. Hey, uh... Hey, hey as for uh, horses, young lady. Hey. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. Mr. You're spending the night with Fred Garvin, 
male prostitute. <laughs> well, now I have a work order here which specifies that I am to Roger you roundly till 6.15 tomorrow morning. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, uh, don't I get a say in this? I mean, uh, maybe I want some sleep. Maybe I don't want to be Roger Roundly. <laughs> Ma'am, you're dealing here with a fully qualified male strumpet. <laughs> I service the entire Quad Cities area, Moline, Rock Island, Davenport, and Bettendorf. Why not give me a word? What have you got to lose? not the most attractive guy in the world. But if he can make a living at this, he must be doing something right. Okay, Mr. Garvey. I'll try it. Congratulations, Mrs. Potter. I know you'd come to your senses. And I'm out. If you're amenable, I'd like to begin the session by striking a few seductive poses. <laughs> I call this one the snake. Um, Fine then, if everything's going okay, you should be hotter than Billy by day be damned by now. Well, I'm, uh... Oh, Miss Potter, I don't know please about cooperate. Come on now, come on. You, you'll thank yourself later now. Come on. Let's get out of this bed here, young lady. Come on, come on. Hey, just jump right in here. Okay. Now, if you don't mind, I do work with the glasses and Jack. <laughs> Feeling anything yet? Any symptoms of arousal? I don't think so Well, these things take time Perhaps a bit of humor will break the ice What's red and green and goes like this? I don't know <laughs> A frog in a blender <laughs> Here you go. And now look at this. What's that? My backseat driver's license. <laughs> Enough foreplay. Let's get cracking. Hey, wait a minute. What? What is all that? Oh, that, that's, that's my rather elaborate network of trusses. Uh, I, I will need your help with a couple of these. I got, a, uh, I got the old hernia truss here. I got a spleen truss. It, it undoes with a couple of snaps at the back here. Go ahead. No, I don't think I'm... You know, uh, I think this is too much for me. I no, no, it's just a couple of snaps at the back. You know, you just got to make sure you, 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 don't, you don't touch the rupture, that's all. <laughs> Yeah, at the back. Oh, I'm, I'm so... Oh. Who's that? Who's that? It's Slick. Uh, Slick. Slick. Yeah. Ah, this takes a little explanation, you see. 
Slick is a gentleman of leisure. He, he looks out for me and the girls. Uh, be there in a jiffy, Slick. Uh, by the way, one good word from you would really put me in good with the boss. Okay, Fred, okay. Hey, Slick. Fred, my man, man. I was down the hallway. I thought you might need some help with your trusses, baby. Oh, no, we don't need any help with his trusses. In fact, I think maybe you both get a, better get out of here. What's the matter, lady? Hasn't Fred attended to your needs? Oh, oh no, he's really attended to my needs. He, oh, yeah? he, he was wonderful. The earth moved. <laughs> In fact, it moved so much, I don't think I could take anymore. <laughs> That's my friend. Yeah, he's my bread and butter man. You see, in my stable, I got eight girls and Fred. Come on, Fred, let's go, man. They got some hungry women down in Bettendorf waiting for the Garvin lizard. Fred, 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 I, I just want to thank you for tonight. I'm never going to forget it. Well, thank you, ma'am. I do what I can. Because I'm Fred Garvin, male prostitute. Apparently, that character was based on Danny would do this to make Rosie Schuster laugh. Uh, he was imitating Canadian tire salesmen that used to come door to door in the 50s who would tell all those awful, terrible jokes like, what's red and green and goes like this? A frog in a blender. <laughs> <laughs> and with the hat and the glasses and everything. And uh, Oh, I also have a Yortuck Festrunk here of oh, the Festrunk brothers. Absolutely. I mean. Which I've, to, to my understanding, was Steve Martin's bit. He did, uh, he did the other brother, but I don't think he had a name. But he he did that character that talked like this. And yeah, when I meet a woman, I walk right up to her and put my hand right down her pants. Like this. <laughs> yes, yeah, and also Stuff just that you shouldn't that you can't and shouldn't uh, get right. away with nowadays. So that is why I am nominating Dan Aykroyd because I think he exemplifies exemplifies the best parts of the show, and he was also somebody that was. He, uh, there's, I think it was a John, uh, John Belushi's book, uh, well, Bob Woodward's book, Wired, yeah. about John Belushi. And I think they mentioned it in Doug Hill and Jeff Weingrad's Backstage History of Saturday Night, which is probably the book I've read the most in my lifetime because it's, I think it's amazing. It's that's, not only well written. That's it's, the one that's from 86, right? Yep. Yeah. I'm on, I'm about halfway through that right yeah, now. I read that in co- my first year of college. And was just absolutely obsessed with it. I had no idea at that point that Dan Aykroyd had been in Second City. Well, I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think this is a, good, a, a great nomination. I think that, uh, you know, he's one of the original hires. He yep. stuck around even when his, you know, his bestie left the show. Well, they they actually left. The oh, same they season. left together, didn't they? They left he, after. But he was waffling. He wasn't sure. He he was really torn between uh, And they left loyalty. to do Blues Brothers, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They had, well, Sorry they had, about that. They had so, oh, don't be. They had so much stuff going on at that time. It's a shame that he had to leave. And and Bill Murray has uh, said he, he felt really put upon because now he had to do all their roles. And that's why they also bumped a lot of the writers up to performers just to cover all the stuff that Dan and um, 
and John used to do. That's like, right. Al Franken. Yeah. If you watch that season, they all became featured players in that yeah, season. Yeah, seventy nine, eighty. The credit roll used to go on forever. Yes. And SCTV actually did a really good parody of it that year. They did uh, Thursday Night Live. They live, did live from Edmonton. Have you never seen it? No. Oh, dude, it's so good. Earl Camembert is the host. And it opens with just, it's just, it's very typical of Saturday Night Live at that period. There's a lot of backstage, fourth wall stuff, a lot of like ridiculous over the top drug references. They have a black actor who they put in drag, which they did to poor Garrett Morris way too often. Right. And just, they really nailed it. And yeah, the credit roll just goes on and on and on and on and on. Really funny. Look it up. Oh, Thursday, Thursday Night Live. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not overly versed in Second City. I, I won't lie to you, or, or uh, SCTV rather. We're gonna we're gonna save that for another podcast. But I will say, without Saturday Night Live, you would not have SCTV because Andrew Alexander, who ran the Toronto Second City, was tired of losing his cast members. He lost Danny and uh, Gilda, right? And Lauren was circling the waters trying to get. Uh, he, I, I know he was interested in uh, Joe Flaherty, John Candy, and. Dave Kath- Thomas. Catherine O'Hara as well, right? Catherine was, O'Hara was, was she... on, the, she was signed and was going to be on the show in the 1981-82 season. That's right. And it ended up being- Went, um, went down there. They brought back Michael O'Donohue, who had been the head writer, who was a very mercurial talent in his own right. And he was particularly off the rails at this point and had them spray painting the word danger. Or he spray painted the word danger, ran out of paint halfway through, and then like ruined his his stunt by having to open another can to finish <laughs> spray painting uh, the walls in uh, the seventeenth floor where they write the show. And yeah, Catherine O'Hara said, and then I'm standing there spray painting on this wall, going, "What am I doing here? All my friends are in Edmonton getting ready to do a show for NBC. Like, fuck this. Right. I'm leaving and and let them know my friend Robin Duke, That's who they right. were old roommates." You should hire her. And they hired Tony Rosato as well, who'd also been Second City stage cast and uh, on the show Damn. on SCTV. Yeah. Wow. So why should, like, if you were to summarize it in, in, in a nutshell, why should somebody vote for your nominee when the time comes to vote? Because I think he, he is one of the architects who helped shape what the show is today as like Chuck Berry is to rock and roll. Uh, Dan Aykroyd is to Saturday Night Live. Just the the premises, the manic pitches. Like even I would say he would. He's one of those people that can elevate um, lesser material just solely through commitment. Wrote so much of it, so very much his voice sort of dic- dictated what the show was, and just absolute commitment and stagecraft, and just so talented, like unbelievable. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, when the time comes, will Dan Aykroyd uh, get your vote? We will find out. Okay, and that's it. That's it for the season as far as Justin Renwick is concerned. Uh, he's been a great visitor, a great guest, and I really want to thank him so much for appearing as many times as he has, always bringing the goods. So there's that. 
And that brings us to the end of this podcast episode. That brings us to the end of Dan Aykroyd. Uh, pretty good stuff, right? The Easter Island French pinhead stuff, that's, uh, that's fantastic to me. And um, again, the, the book that I mentioned is the Tom Davis book. Uh, and the title is um, escaping me at the moment. Uh, but it's a great book. Look it up. Um, easy read as well. So uh, what do you say we pack things up for this week and start to build the excitement toward the voting period? April 25th. So that's next Monday. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, we've got one episode left. And then we're going to be doing some fun uh, punditry. Punditry. And uh, I hope you enjoy all of that. But for now, I'm going to ask that you do me a solid. And as you're walking out the door, just reach over and flip that light switch off. Because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. You can find everything you need to know about the show at snlhof.com. Don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next month in the hall. such.